politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and beleaguered citizens to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house for your once a day, much anticipated independent conservative news and views. And speaking of independence, independence from these two wretched political parties, yesterday I tweeted out something that got more engagement than almost anything I've tweeted out in weeks. And it was really very simple. You know, I tweet out a lot of unique information, perspective, passion, controversial stuff, data. All I tweeted out was, what is the purpose of the GOP? That was it. And it gained a lot of intrigue because I think it was a very powerful punchline. You see, we now have a situation where the left is more radical, not just in word, but in deed. And they're actually implementing their anarcho-tyranny more than ever, affecting our lives, shutting down our streets, lynching people. Yes, lynching people out of their cars. We're going to talk about that. I have a big 1,700-word essay on that today. Crime out of control. Republicans have the opportunity to offer the boldest contrast. Donald Trump was elected for this purpose because people were sick of every time Democrats do something, Republicans serve as nothing but the rear end a half a step behind what they're doing, but going in the same direction. Republicans kneel before Democrats. They wash their feet. They genuflect. People wanted someone to take the fight to them, go on offense. You're the ones who are responsible for black lives being killed more than ever. I mean, think of the, think of the contrast between what happened with Floyd and the reaction to it. One man died, George Floyd, And by the way, likely from everything we've seen, he certainly didn't deserve to die. But the history of the the, the porn star, the meth and fentanyl, stealing from a business, that's not exactly turning around your life from the robbery conviction where he pointed a gun at the belly of a pregnant woman. Again, that's divorced from the criminal case and the issue of what happened there. But dude, the guy ain't Mother Teresa. Let's not make him as such. But anyway, you have this one case. You have swift justice, swifter indictment than ever, higher bail I've ever seen set for something like that. Four cops roped into it. No evidence there was any racism involved. Two of them were not white. And justice is served. Yet, in response to that, Somehow, this becomes like the new blood libel. BLM is blood libels matter. That they fabricate this narrative and then feed on it like a frenzy. Boop, 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 boop. One after another. Racism, racism. 400 years of racism. 400 years, 400 years. And somehow, they get Republicans now drinking out of that trough. Something that started out this year as the most radical thing from the New York Times, the 1619 Project is now being espoused by almost every Republican, including the people in the White House, while Trump just sits by and allows people like Jared, Jerome Smith, 
Brooke Rollins to work with the Republican Al Sharpton, Senator Tim Scott, dumb as anything, racist, never saw a criminal he didn't love, repeats the exact narrative of the left. Now they're crafting a Republican version of the anti-policing bill. But you have hundreds of blacks that likely got killed, 20 directly from the riots, endless beaten. The property damage is enormous. The number of black businesses that have been destroyed is enormous. where, Where is this? In L.A., according to Fox, the Fox affiliate there in L.A., homicides in the city increased 250% over the previous week. And the number of people who were shot increased 56% during the same period. So, Republicans have a beautiful opportunity to show the exact opposite is true. Instead, they're just feeding into the blood libel. And the reality is that blood libels cannot be fed. You cannot placate it. A feeding frenzy, a violent frenzy built off a complete lie. You cannot satisfy the mob. You cannot satisfy it. But that's what Republicans are doing. I thought of the the, the blood libels matter on my own, but someone did send me this guy, Seth Grossman of American Thinker, wrote an article last week, Institutional Racism is the New Blood Libel. So I want to read that for you. And he says, says like this, I think this is a really tremendous article. The riots that began in Minneapolis are the intended consequence of the fake history dished out by our media, Hollywood, and most colleges and public schools for the past 50 years. The new institutional racism falsely blames all whites for every injustice, especially whites who are Christian or Republican or who love America. Those whites are the new Jews. Minneapolis is the new Kishinev. In 1903, Kishinev was part of Russia and ruled by an emperor, the Tsar. Just before Easter, a non-Jewish girl there was depressed and swallowed poison. She was rushed to a Jewish hospital where she died. Jew-hitting newspapers ran sensational fake news about her death. They falsely reported that Jews killed her so they could use her blood for their Passover matzah. That blood libel was war propaganda used by Greeks against Jews who had rebelled against them 2,200 years ago in the days of the Maccabees. That lie became established fake history throughout Europe because it was written in popular books at the ancient Greek library in Alexandria. Things got worse during Holy Week. Priests in the government-run Orthodox churches gave sermons with selected gospel readings that falsely blamed Jews for persecuting and crucifying Jesus. If Orthodox churches in Russia, like Protestants, had encouraged independent Bible study, Many would have disagreed. The Gospels of Mark, Luke, tell of large crowds of Jews cheering Jesus as he entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Matthew and Luke tell how elites in the capital plotted to arrest Jesus at night after the Passover Seder, so large crowds of Jews could not protect him. Riots in Kishinev started after Easter Sunday services. Hundreds of young uh, non-Jewish men went through Jewish neighborhoods. They looted 600 Jewish-owned stores, destroyed 700 Jewish Houses, they robbed, beat, and killed every Jew they found. My five-year-old grandmother, wow. My five-year-old grandmother, this is the author speaking, survived because a non-Jewish neighbor took her in. The neighbor taught her to recite a Christian prayer when the mob came. 
The Russian police did nothing for two days. Then they charged 250 Jews for using clubs, poles, and guns to defend themselves. Government officials openly supported the rioters. One said he understood the frustration of poor peasants ruined by Jewish moneylenders. This was good politics for the Russian czar. When they blamed Jews for their poverty and misery, Russians were not complaining about the corruption, incompetence, and brutality of their government. Unless there is new evidence, it looks as though George Floyd was killed by a brutal, incompetent cop who should have been fired years ago. Three years ago, a 40-year-old white woman was shot and killed for no reason by a black officer of that same Minneapolis Police Department. Do the media politicians and black leaders care about fixing problems? If so, why don't they report and protest against corruption and incompetence by this Democrat-run city government? Why don't they talk about how public employee unions and civil services make it impossible to fire bad cops? Instead, they falsely blame racism by all white Americans, just as the 1903 Russian government and media of 1903 falsely blamed Jews. And folks, you know, this is a big reason why a tremendous amount of Jews from Russia emigrated to America after 1903. That was a pretty big watershed moment in history. So Seth Grossman here, American thinker, beautifully encapsulates what's going on. Because folks, this is exactly... What is going on here? Criminal is victim. Victim is criminal. And, you know, the racism systemically is against whites in this country. Cops get beaten much more than they beat. They use underwhelming force much more than you have individuals using overwhelming force. And in terms of individual blacks, they are harmed physically and financially exponentially more from the crime that is induced from the rioting, from the crime that is induced from handcuffing police, from the crime that is induced from jailbreak policies than they are from any cops or the criminal justice system. And at the same time, those who defend themselves against this are called the criminals and the criminals are exalted for lynching people. You know, they're, they're, they're talking about promoting an anti-lynching bill. That's one of the things, things that um, uh, the bigot Tim Scott is working on. And I'm like, I'm all for an anti-lynching bill. I think, I mean, again, I don't like federalizing things, but if, if this is the thing, we're now just going to deal with crime at a federal level, then yeah, let's deal with it being tougher on crime. I am the very big fan of an anti-lynching bill, and let me explain. We've explained so much here how these bastard cowards never attack in singles never you look at antifa and blood libels matter and just the general gangs they'll never do one-on-one even against a woman they'll get 10 people 15 20 people there is something truly blood-curdling truly sick about surrounding one human being with 20 people and beating that person and I've said all along with these knockout things where they either go and severely beat someone or kill them and they have a mob sitting by and nothing happens to the mob. But they didn't do anything even though they sealed the fate of the person because he knows if he tries to fight back, they'll kill him. So there's nothing he can do. And then even the person or two or three that actually did the hands-on beating barely get anything. So I'm all for an anti-lynching bill 
predatory violence of, of a whole group of people physically beating a person, I am all for, depending on what happens to the person, mandatories ranging from 25 years to life to the death penalty. I am all for that. Let's put that on the table. But just know that 95% of the perpetrators of such violence in this day and age are non-whites. And that's fine. This is not about race. This is about justice. Just to transpose a little bit, we're talking about a little bit of history here with the blood libel. Folks, I want you guys to Google Ami Horowitz, A-M-I. No relation to me, by the way. He has a video, Google a video from him of anti-Semitism in Brooklyn. Now, this is, this is a really good investigative journalist. He, he's a guy that goes into the Somali community in Minneapolis, and he would interview them and get their true sentiments that the media would cover up. He's done a lot of really good, good uh, documentaries. So he has this video out where they openly say, yeah, these Jews, they steal all our stuff and own the buildings. Yeah, they kind of deserve to get beaten. You look at the NYPD hate crimes data. It is insane. It's not one incident. It's ubiquitous in communities throughout Brooklyn, maybe Manhattan, a couple other places, Newark, New Jersey, where they're caught on video saying they're happy about the attack on the Jews in Newark. They deserved it. Folks, are all blacks required to kneel to Jews and wash their feet and talk and 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 atone legislatively, culturally, policy-wise, media-wise for the 2000 years of Jewish persecution? I mean, two pe- two people could play this game. Except on one side of the ledger, there's a lot more truth to it. If I were like they are, which I'm not, of course, because we judge people as individuals. And while there certainly is a lot more measurable anti-white and anti-Semitic sentiment among blacks than vice versa. It's certainly not a majority. And you judge people as individuals. And frankly, I don't care about hate crimes. My issue with what was going on in New York for Mayan was more like. These were people that were known career criminals that were let out without bail and continued to assault within the same week. We need to restore our sentencing, restore our broken bail system, and it goes away. But rather than being a bold contrast to this, yesterday, the Republicans just tripped over themselves. Jared Kushner, with his team of malcontents, went to the Hill with racist, bigoted Tim Scott, to promote their version of a, um, a policing bill. Mitch McConnell. None of us have had the experience of being an African American in this country. Dealing with discrimination. The best way for Senate Republicans to go forward on this is to listen to one of our own. He's had his own experiences. He's had them since being in the U.S. Senate. Basically, he's referring to Tim Scott as being like one of these liberals. He's putting out these anonymous things. Yeah, I'm stopped all the time by Capitol Police. Yeah, show us some proof, buddy. 
I've asked Senator Tim Scott to lead a group that is working on a proposal to allow us to respond to the obvious the, the obvious racial discrimination. The obvious racial discrimination we that we've seen on the full display on their television screens over the last two weeks. Wait, over the last two weeks we've seen on television the racial discrimination? It was one incident and there's no rate. I mean, where's the proof? And look, this is not some white, some, some right wing uh, conspiracy. This is um, CBS News did, a, did a, an interview last night with someone who worked at the club where evidently um, Chauvin, the main cop here, worked with Floyd at, at a club and they butted heads. They knew each other. I mean, I mean, they, do you want to first just vet out what happened there? I'm not saying we know this is the case, but that that I mean, that's pretty rare that you have an incident with a cop and a criminal and the cop winds up being brutal and then you find out they actually knew each other. We don't know for sure what happened, but that's something you got to look into because I mean, that's the ant- antithetical to systemic. That's really localized to an individual case. And again, especially because the other two cops weren't even white anyway. But Republicans are just drinking out of the trough. We're seeing it on display. No, what we're seeing on display on our cameras for two weeks is black on white crime, lynchings, beating up police officers, and burning down black businesses. That's what we're seeing. I'm sorry. I'm not going to seed an inch on this nonsense. Absolutely, I think it's important to have a response. We've had 67,000 criminals released just the last few months, hundreds of thousands over the last few years. Endless story of victim after victim after victim that is needlessly killed by a total preventable murderer that should have been locked up. No impetus to act and toughen federal sentencing on gun felons. Nothing. It's whatever the Democrats say is the issue. You know, a lot of people think all Pelosi's in charge is nothing we can do. But no one's forcing the other two branches, Trump and the Senate Republicans, to take up her crap. Which is proof to what I always tell you, even when Republicans have all three branches. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The media tells them what to do. And they're like, yes, we need a response. That's why after Parkland... Which, by the way, Parkland was a jailbreak case. It was criminal justice deform that ensured that Nicholas Cruz was not locked up. The Promise Program. Remember that? Instead of going on offense and jujitsuing their entire narrative, you bastards are responsible for Parkland. They're like, yes, we need gun legislation. And with three branches of control before passing a single pro-gun bill, and they never passed it with control of all three branches, they passed the gun control bill. Same thing here. First step for criminals. Second step for criminals. Ban the box they put in the National Defense Authorization Act. Now they're on to their third one. Pro-criminal. Whatever happened to the promise of law and order, Mr. President? At some point, I'm, I'm sick of hearing about Republicans talking about the next election. Oh, we gotta get Trump get reelected. So he could do what? We've had the worst race riots. The worst border crashing, the worst lockdown of our country. I'm sick of the excuses. It's only going to continue and accelerate if he won a second term. The same phenomenon where he goads the other side, they, they, they change their tactics and they actually 
get even stronger and implement their stuff through the culture, through the states, through the courts, and then get Republicans to go along with it. At some point, this man needs to be held accountable. Oh, it's Jared's fault. Yeah, but who who hired Jared? Well, Danny, you don't understand. He's Trump is under assault so much. It's hard for <laughs> Yeah, but that what does that have to do with Jared? What the, the the Democrats made him make Jared co-president? I don't I don't think so. This is this is just ridiculous. Republicans are literally eating up the narrative. Where there's no evidence even in this situation, much less a systemic thing. It's a blood libel that they think they could feed. This won't end. This won't end. But I want to talk to you about the most dangerous, what I believe is the most dangerous manifestation of mob rule, or at least one of them that we're seeing. And that is this business of them setting up checkpoints and just attacking attacking people. There's this growing trend we we wrote about, and you could send me if you if you found any more stories. I wrote an article last week. I have a new one out today. Where basically people are just driving. All of a sudden, it could be a road. It could be an interstate highway where they're they are allowed to now set up a checkpoint. In Seattle, they create their own autonomous area, and the police are doing nothing, nothing to clear it out. They're occupying our streets, and if you happen to be unlucky to, to, to go down there, they'll accuse you of running them over. So either one of two things, either you have to get beaten or shot or killed, or you act in self-defense, and you are the ones that are then imprisoned, and they are not, and they are treated like heroes. Exactly, exactly like we saw in Minnesota on that I-35 incident. And exactly as we witnessed throughout history with the blood libel and the attacks on Jews in Europe. They were the ones imprisoned. A disabled vet is now on life support. After being shot through the car window. Why won't Republican schmucks give voice to people like Danny Pruitt? 49 years old, disabled veteran. He was driving on Main Street in Alamosa, Colorado. Small town. You would have never expected there to be a riot there. The people lined the streets. Video surveillance shows that Pruitt's black truck pulled up to a crosswalk. And what turns out to be at least the suspect... A defense attorney, James Marshall, defense attorney, pulls out a gun and shoots him in the head. The car stopped in the intersection. He's now on life support. See, he didn't defend himself. It could be, I mean, likely he didn't get a chance. He didn't know what hit him. He didn't get a chance to, even if he wanted to. So he's going to wind up dead. Could you, I mean, this is what's happening now. That is the systemic problem. That is the pervasive problem. That is the problem that, unlike Floyd, is going without justice. This guy, James Marshall, was let out on $30,000 bail. So the cops 
that were being trained under, under Chauvin and had no choice, didn't do anything wrong, held on a million-dollar bond. This guy, cold blood. No, I mean, there's no excuse, no nuance. Takes out a gun, shoots a random motorist in the head. He already posted bond, $30,000. You tell me we're not living in a reverse Jim Crow. Truly sick. Truly, truly sick. But then there's the flip side of the coin. What if you actually try to defend yourself? You're either dead or you're in jail. Nicholas Fernandez. Seattle. So this guy, according to his lawyer, he was terrified as his car was approached by a mob. He was... It was at least according to his story, he was driving to work at a Nike store in Seattle. And all of a sudden, like he gets surrounded. So he first tries to speed up, but then he realizes he can't, he, he can't go. So he slows down, hits a police barrier. And then they start breaking into his car. So he brandishes his gun. This guy, Daniel Gregory, one of the protesters reaches in and punches him in the face. So he was surrounded they started trying breaking in, and one already punched him. Only then did he fire his weapon, 100% self-defense, and he shot Gregory in the arm. Then you see the full surveillance. I have the article up on conservativereview.com. They have the full surveillance video where clearly, clearly the video shows his side of the story the whole time. He immediately gets out with his gun, doesn't directly point it, but is very firm. Get away from me, get away from me. And he makes a beeline through the crowd, trying to defend himself with his gun, straight to the police. He surrenders to the police, says, they tried to jack my car. I had to shoot someone. Here I am. He surrenders himself. It is very hard to suggest that somehow there was some premeditated thing that somehow he knew he was getting involved in this. It sure didn't look like that. It sure didn't look like that. And by the way, He's Hispanic, as his name indicates, and he's pretty dark looking. So, I mean, if this is some sort of like white supremacist attack to attack the sacred BLM. And again, obviously, you don't want people just randomly shooting people like that. Certainly, that, that would be a criminal act. But let's not forget, it's also a criminal act to occupy the streets, too. I'm going to get to that in a minute, the constitutional um, law on that. But basically... This man, Fernandez, is now being held. 200,000 bail. While the man who beat him is being heralded as a hero for saving lives. They literally flip the script. This is what they do every time now. They block you, try to lynch you, and then if you get away in some way, oh, he was trying to mow people down. Now you look at the statement of probable cause. There's no probable cause. I'm not sure what they're alleging Fernandez did. His story is very plausible and there's no real other story that makes sense that accounts for what happens. There's no reason to hold him pending investigation. 200,000 bail while the guy who shot Pruitt, cold blood. There's no like self-defense. There's no, there's no other narrative there. 30,000. And by the way, if you look at the booking of Nicholas Fernandez, they list him as white. <laughs> of course. This is what we're seeing all along. 
the rioters have a right to kill and maim. You don't have a right to self-defense. Folks, you will be made to care. We could retreat no longer. You can't live like that. It's happening everywhere. We're seeing this occupation. It's like Fallujah. Setting up checkpoints. The president needs to call the military in to clear it out. You don't have a right to occupy streets. You have a right, and I've said this all along. The right to peaceful assembly is really born out of and connected to and actually flows from the right to free speech. All It doesn't mean that you have the right for the city government to give you space to destroy or space to belligerently march in endlessly at any time, at any place, block off traffic, intimidate people. Right? It just means that your message, we can't squelch your message. Right? So we have to give you some space somewhere that we don't squelch your message. But police have an obligation to protect the citizenry. Even without this scale of, this is violence already, it's an insurgency, but I'm saying even without this scale of violence. Government, government I mean, the Supreme Court has said this for, for, for 70 years, government can regulate the time, place, and manner of peaceful protests. The conditions just have to be reasonable and not so prohibitive that you can't hold a rally anywhere and they can't target the assembly's message. The Supreme Court ruled in Ward v. Rock against racism 1989. In New York City, basically in Central Park, they regulated the sound levels of this rock band rally. And the court said our cases, our cases make clear, however, that even in a public forum, the government may impose reasonable restrictions on the time, place, or manner of protected speech, provided the restrictions are justified without reference to the content of the regulated speech, that they are narrowly tailored to serve a significant governmental interest, and that they leave open ample alternative channels for communication of the information. Cox v. New Hampshire, 1941. The court ruled that states... And cities can require permits and fees to hold parades on, parades on the streets. Quote, the authority of a municipality to impose regulations in order to assure the safety and convenience of the people in the use of public highways has never been regarded as inconsistent with civil liberties, but rather as one of the means of safeguarding the good order upon which they ultimately depend. Justice Charles Evans Hughes for the unanimous court decision. Cantwell v. Connecticut, 1941, clear and present danger of riot disorder, interference with traffic upon the public streets, or other immediate threat to public safety, peace, or order appears. The power of the state to prevent or punish is obvious. And, and this is the game they're, they're playing with the mostly peaceful. They're actually right. It's mostly peaceful in the sense that if you have 800 people occupying, illegally occupying an interstate or a, made, or a main street, only about 80 of them are going to lynch you. 10%. I mean, 90% peaceful. That, that's mostly peaceful. Only about 80 of them are going to lynch you. The others are going to sit by. Some of, them, some of them might even say, don't don't let him go. Don't hurt him. What does that do to public safety? That's the thing. There's no right to be a part of that. And once you have that degree of violence, they have the right to cancel all of this. And certainly cordon off some sort of isolated area for them to do it. It has nothing to do with their message. You could say, screw the police, I hate the police, even 
They're, heck, they're even saying kill the cops. No one, no one's, uh, no one's stifling their words. It's their deeds. When have we ever accommodated any movement to the point where they now could take over the streets and you have to go around them? And if you somehow get get involved there, you better beg for mercy. This is utterly sick what is going on. But there's more of these cases. More of these cases. Much more. What do we have here? Um, trying to dig this up. There was this case in Indiana where they went ahead and just went after this woman. And again, oh, she was going to drive through the crowd. That's the new thing. I mean, this could happen to anyone. These things are so ubiquitous and spontaneous. A mini, this is in uh, Indianapolis. A minivan made contact with protesters Monday night on Monument Circle. Protesters came back to Monument Circle on Tuesday evening because they say the driver's story about what happened is not true. Protesters say that they are upset that despite leaving the scene of an accident where two people were hit, the driver was not arrested. The incident happened around 8.30 p.m. There were about 50 protesters. So Diane Goebel, the driver of the minivan, said, I very slowly just inched my way through the demonstrators. Goebel says she and her friend were going on a drive and went to Monument Circle. Um, the driver said, I did not hit anyone or plow into anyone. They jumped on the hood of my van. Then they started kicking my van, broke two windows on the passenger side, threw water bottles and whatever at my van as I drove off. Goebel drove off and called 911. Police say she has been cooperating with the investigation. I mean, this is the thing, like, you better take your beating. How dare you not get beaten? There's another case in Maryland where these crazies were like setting up like a Fallujah-style Sunni Shiite militia checkpoint, telling, telling people, do you think Black Lives Matter? And if they wouldn't answer, then they'd block their way. The president needs to call in the military. This is very much, and you know, I know, I know none of us like that in general under normal times, I'm not even talking about them just like generally policing people, but at least to open the roadways. Interstates for sure. How much are we going to allow of this? But no, name me a single Republican who talks like me. This show's content at its core is what people expected the president to say. And his minions are doing the opposite. They're validating it. And it's only going to fuel it further. You have no choice. You cannot appease it. You cannot kneel to it. You cannot wash its feet. You have to grab the bull by the horns. And you have to utterly defeat it. You have to expose their lies. You have to expose their immorality. And put it down. That's how you drive a narrative. That's how people learn what they're doing. And people turn against them. And public opinion turns against it. You gotta lead. Mr. President, lead or get the hell out of the way.